on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. That's the first time I've ever been on a podcast and we do the clap and we both hit the clap at the same time. I do all these podcasts with white people and it's always like clap, clap. And I'm like, what is wrong with y'all? It's one, two, three, clap. How are you? I think it... No, they don't have any seasoning. I think it shows what we have here, this energy that we just got it right off the bat. Because here we are, you guys. TV, I say, with Ashley Ray, episode one. Here we are. That's it. That's it. So excited. Today, my guest is the lovely, amazing, the producer of this very podcast. I had to start with my girl. I had to let y'all know what we're doing here. Who's here? What is what is TV? I say, what is the vibe? Who are we? What is this team? I am so happy to have my girl, Petty Mogul, as my first guest, my producer. This is my team. This is what we're doing. This is TV. I say, how are you doing? Buddy? You can't see me right now, but um, I'm giving y'all the peace signs, moving my shoulders. Yeah. There's lots of good energy. Beautiful you energy. Can't see me, but my just look, uh, just retwisted my locks. Beautiful. They look I'm beautiful. very moisturized. Yes. Yes. As always. It's, <laughs> yes. I, you know, I think we're both vibing. I want to say that's a TV. I say club rule. What we're we're gonna find a name for it. TV. I say pod. TV. I say squad. TV. I say club. You know, our listeners, we're going to find our name. We'll figure that journey out together as we make this show. But I think, like, this is a, this is a podcast where we're going to vibe about TV. I think Petty and I, we're, we're both chilling. We're smoking. We're yes, hanging. I'm rolling up right now. I'm not smoking right. right now, but I'm about to get ready. <sighs> yeah. You know, I, I, got, I do my pre-rolls. So that's, <laughs> that's the vibe here at TV, I say. You know what it is. We're going to talk about TV. We're like your friends and we just uh we just want to get into some of the best things we've been watching over the last week. Some of the big events in TV this week we'll be talking about the Lovecraft Country finale in depth. Mm-hmm. Uh I want you to get to know Petty a little bit so we're going to talk a little in depth about everything she does. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into that, let's just talk about what you watching this week. What are you watching? This is just the part of the podcast where I talk about everything I have been watching over the last week, which if you follow me, if you know, that's a lot of TV. 
Period. I watch a lot of TV. I yeah, yeah. It's one time my mom and a few therapists, I'll be honest, have asked me, they've said, Ashley, write down all the TV you watch in a week. Just write it down on a list. And I had done that. And they they I wouldn't say I would say actually they are impressed. I would. They, <laughs> maybe they would say concerned. Concerned is maybe well, more the, the word thing they about it use. is you're doing your job. Like, you know, when I was watching all That's these true. music videos and stuff when I was growing up, I'm like, I wasn't wasting time. I'm studying. You're studying. When your TV show comes out, you're going to have the exactly. last laugh. Oh, <laughs> you thought I was just playing games. Exactly. I, exactly. I, I, when you write about TV, when you write TV, you got to watch a lot of TV to understand TV. It's like being uh, a reader. So this is the... Exactly. Uh, so these are the shows that I've been watching over the last week. Uh, I think first off, let's start with the most obvious. Uh, we had the finale for The Vow on HBO uh, and the premiere of Seduced on Stars, two different documentaries about the Nexium cult led by Keith Raniere. Uh, yeah, I said Keith Raniere. I refuse to say his name correctly because I don't have any respect for him. That's a dom. Yes. Move, I'm going to okay? call him Little Keith. Yeah. Well, Keith. Well, Keithy. Little Keith. Little yeah. Keith. He just, I hate him. The, the man is a dipshit sandwich. I hate him so much. I think I was put on this earth to to murder him with my bare hands is, is how much I hate him. I'm down. Uh, I, I have been, yeah, he's a horrible person. I've been following the Nexium cults. For so long, since I was in college, I went to school uh, in, in Williamstown, which is very close uh, to Albany, where their headquarters were. So I've, I've known about this this cult for a long time. So just have always been so fascinated, was absolutely you know excited to watch these two documentaries. Uh, and I, I definitely have very different opinions about them. Uh, I think The Vow, nine episodes, HBO, uh, just finished airing. Ooh, what a long and boring documentary. <laughs> Uh, and goodness, it's just, yeah, uh, it's, it just, uh, it, it, oh my goodness. It, it, there's so many parts where you just want to punch Mark Vicente in the face and tell him yes. to stop talking. Uh, whereas on Seduced, uh, which premiered on stars, uh, that is led by a team of women, uh, it was also made with the involvement of India Oxenberg, the main woman in The Vow, uh, who escaped the cult sort of right before all of the, the lawsuits and charges and, and final things came down. Uh, so they're very different in purpose. Uh, I actually wrote about it for the AV Club. That article will be coming out soon. So you can enjoy all some 3,000 words of my thoughts on these two different documentaries and, and other things I've, I've read about Nexium. Uh, but that is the main thing I'm watching. Uh, very excited about it. What else have I been watching? Let's see. We had last week tonight airing over the last week, still doing a great job. You know, John, John Oliver, he's just, he chugs it out. He knows what he's doing. I will say this pointed criticism of this last episode, uh, as a, as a TV, uh, uh, expert, I have to point this out. Uh, there was a joke in this last episode, uh, where he mentioned selling sunset, one of my favorite shows on Netflix, as many people know. Uh, if you're not familiar with Selling Sunset, it's a, a reality show about well-to-do white women who sell Child, homes. Everybody loves that uh, damn show. I've not ever lives. seen a it's single just... one of them episodes, yeah, every... but everybody loves them white women selling um, overpriced real estate. Yeah, 
it's it's a it's a fun escape of a show. You know, I I can't say <laughs> that it's something people need to watch, but it's it's a fun watch. But you know, those of us who are dedicated selling sunset heads, uh, you know, sold sets, something like that, some clever name for the fandom, uh, we all know that there are two women on the show who really do put in the work, right? There's two women. I know if you're out there listening and you're a selling sunset head, you know who I'm talking about. You know, I'm talking about Mary and Maya. They're the only two women on the show who put in the work. And it's like every other woman on the show is like planning a wedding or like crying because they can't sell a $70 million house or something like that. And then like you have, Mary and Maya who are who are doing it and getting it done and so on this last episode of John Oliver there's just like this moment and he's like he just makes this a a side comment about Selling Sunset and I know John Oliver doesn't watch Selling Sunset so some comic wrote this joke for him and he's like oh you know Selling Sunset blah 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 you know she's she's this person isn't working as hard as Chris Shell our girl on Selling Sunset everyone's favorite who everyone knows is the best and it's just like, come on, if you're going to have John out there talking about Selling Sunset, let him get it right. He should have said Maya. So I think uh, that's the piece I want to make with what I am watching this week. Uh, it is still a pretty light week for TV. Really, Bob's Burgers is the only thing that we have coming back so far for fall TV. A few things are coming back uh, over the next week. You got the Goldbergs on Wednesday, which I still watch. Still excited about that, too. Uh, Blackish is also back which we'll talk a little bit about. Uh, they, they've been back for a bit. They came back with an election special uh, last week, which I wrote about for the AV club too. Uh, you know, blackish. I, I miss writing about it. I think it is a show that is, is exciting. I think it, you know, is a, a version of, of our modern family. I, I think it does deserve to run as, as long as all these other sort of family shows. Uh, but, you know, I think it is hard at a certain point to know what you're doing when you're balancing all these characters, uh, some of which are being spun off into their own whole worlds. Uh, and I think at a certain point, you got to wonder, like, if you're spinning everything off, what's left on the core? Like, what what world building do we still have to do here if you've pushed everything off into these other places? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I am excited. We, there was the announcement about Gronish, uh, the spinoff involving uh, Dre's parents, which that that actually really does excite me. So. I'm excited because Jennifer, Jennifer with yeah. one N, y'all, get it right. Jennifer with one N, Jennifer Lewis. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. N. She doesn't need to. The other girls because she, she she's she like gave, I'm a one woman the other show. One to someone else. Hands down, you know the mo- mother of Hollywood. I'm excited to see what she's yeah. done, but I'll be honest, I haven't watched Blackish since before the baby was born. Oh yeah, I think that's that's most people. And you know we're we're gonna get into a little a little bit of a a, a little overview of of sort of black TV uh, and everything leading us to this sort of moment in Lovecraft Country later. But I think, yeah, I think most viewers are probably on on the same page as you. They probably dipped out of Blackish a while ago. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. 
Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. What you watch in what I am watching over the last week, uh, Bob's Burgers, we got last week tonight, The Vows Seduced, TV's coming back soon, uh, I can't wait for it to be back, lovely fall TV season, it's my favorite time of year, it's my favorite time of year. Uh, this next part of the podcast, clip of the week, I want to just share my favorite clip uh, in television from the past week, uh, this one I, I loved. Uh, I think in going over sort of the two documentaries about Nexium, The Vow and Seduced, there was one moment in the first episode of Seduced that that just made me go, this is the better documentary. And so this this is the moment that that just solidified it for me. I thought it was complete rubbish. They said she was very important, Nancy Salzman. But I thought she was an idiot. That is Princess Elizabeth of Yugoslavia, India Oxenberg's grandmother, Catherine Oxenberg's mother, who just was one of the first people to be like, Keith Rainier, <laughs> Keith Rainier, little Keith, uh, and Nancy are idiots. Uh, and she was, that in that moment, she was just like, I'm done with this cult. Uh, so suck it, Mark Vicente. Like, come on, how could you not know that this guy was dumb? That is my clip of the week. Watch Seduced on Stars. Uh, airs every Sunday night. Uh, this next part is just my spoiler bitch disclaimer, what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. If you have not seen the finale of Lovecraft Country, you should stop listening now because we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. We're also going to talk a little bit about I May Destroy You. So if you have not watched I May Destroy You, again, you might want to stop listening. As much as shows can be spoiled for you, I, I don't, I'm not going to give away big twists, uh, but if you like to go into a show cold, you probably don't want to listen to this conversation. That is my spoiler bitch disclaimer. I don't know, personally grow up. Uh, but I, th- I think that's all the, the warnings you're going to need to enjoy this conversation with my wonderful guest, today's guest, Petty Mogul. Hello. Hey, hey, how y'all doing? Y'all know me as Petty. Now it's Petty Mogul, formerly Petty Crocker of Petty Butter. You know, I DJ under the name The Wife of Wrath. Y'all can, you know, find me everywhere doing all the things, just glowing, staying moisturized always. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Petty and I met in Chicago. Very good friends. Teddy, why don't you tell us a little bit about your sort of relationship with TV, what you are watching right now? Let's start there. Um, I'm a TV person. Like, I remember when I watch movies, I'm like, it never fails. 55, 45 minutes in, I'm like, damn, this shit's still going on. Right. So I, it was very weird because I had access to the TV and we didn't have any parental controls. My mom is Nigerian, so... 
you know, we, like she didn't necessarily wasn't adaptable to technology. So I basically had free reign of the TV, even though I wasn't allowed to watch, watch certain shit. I would just switch it off. And my mom finally asked me, like, why are you always switching off the TV? What are you watching? I was just watching BET. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to be, but oh, I was yeah. watching BET. That is, that's so classic. Yeah, I think I used to watch like Cinemax stuff late at night and I would have Nickelodeon on that last channel button ready to go. Period. And then I loved watching TV late night. Like, I definitely feel like I lost a couple inches because I never got any sleep when I was younger. I would stay up and watch Oprah and then watch Jimmy Kimmel right after. And that nigga's still on TV. Like, how long has he been on TV? He's been on TV for a long time. Uh, I used to watch Jimmy Kimmel on The Man Show on Comedy Central. He... He's been on, you know, he's he's a staple, I think. And it's actually, it's interesting watching how they rehabilitated his character. Like he used to be on Comedy Central uh, with that Adam guy doing the man show, talking about like white titty, white water titty shirt contest or whatever. And now he's just on ABC, like, I love my family. Late night TV's dope. So. Mm-hmm. I hate Trump, but yeah. I'm not just going all the way to revolution doing his thing hosting you know that's how that's how you get to host the emmys though that's what you got to do to host the emmys you gotta you gotta give up the man show (laughs) yeah i'm over here like i feel like we could host the emmys um i don't i think it'd be a little too real because i'm definitely gonna definitely call somebody like a nigga in the middle of the show but um i think yeah i definitely would do that when it comes to TV shows that shaped who you are, that that shaped sort of your coming of age or childhood, what comes to mind? Oh my goodness, that is such an interesting one. I watched a lot, a lot of cartoons. I remember crying at the codename Kids Next Door uh, finale. Mm-hmm. I remember crying at that. I really love like a lot of anime. You know, I didn't get really deep into it to like the more non-mainstream ones, but I definitely love Inuyasha, Naruto, you know, whatever came out in Adult Swim, Yu Yu Hakusho. Yeah. That was my shit. Yeah, and then um, yeah, I never clicked with the anime. Whenever that would come on on like Cartoon Network, I'd be like, time for me to go do something on the internet. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I would definitely say like. I watch a lot of TV, but nothing is coming up from my childhood that was pivotal. Half and half. Or- half and half now on Netflix. Classic black television. Um, I loved all the UPN shows and everything. Oh my goodness. I loved all of that. Um, yeah, those are the staples. I you know, I definitely was watching some grown shit that I had no business watching. Maybe that's why it's out of my mind. I have a lot of music videos. I love MTV, VH1, BT. Oh, yeah. I know we always say bring back music videos, but bring back the in-depth analysis, like the behind the scenes, behind the music. Bring back I love the 80s, I love the 90s. Like, I feel like I know Teddy Ruxpin, Tickle Me Elmo. Like, I know all about that shit. Shit, I remember watching, like, VH1 and them telling me that Bill Cosby had rape allegations in 2005. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that was on 30 Rock way back when. I my dream is that they bring back all of those shows, all of those like talking head media pop culture shows. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like my only goal in life is to to be on one of those, is to be the next Mo Rocca. I want to be a media gadfly. I like that is my goal. Uh that's what I'm hoping happens with my career. So that's the TV I want to bring back. And it's it's sad to me because I, I feel like that's not the TV that's valued anymore. There was this article that recently came out 
uh, on Vanity Fair. And it talked about, you know, has peak TV already peaked? And it made me so angry because I feel like the shows they were highlighting as peak TV and sort of what they're defining as peak TV uh, is very centered around whiteness. It's very centered around these sort of old ideas of what TV was in the early 2000s when we were watching Mad Men and The Sopranos. This is really sounding like some white nonsense. And so that's why I want to talk to people on my podcast, real TV watching people like you, Petty. And I want to talk about what we're really watching, okay? Because what we want is best week ever back. How do you define peak TV? Hmm, how do I define peak TV? I would definitely say to me, peak TV is television with a direction. Television with context, with historical context, as well as context within whatever art forms it's engaging in. And also that speaks to what's going on currently, you know. If you're going to make a documentary about some shit that happened 100 years ago, how does it relate to what's going on now? To me, PTV, all the moving parts need to be cohesive and excellent. So I want the cinematography to be great. I want the music selection to be great. I want the, you know, the settings to be in place, the props. And of course, you, yeah. you have to have like actors, representation, people with energy, the great at their craft. Not necessarily the names that we know. I definitely would like to see more things with up and comers. um, Cause why the fuck was Veep nominated for six years in a row? Like, I don't like shit like that. Well, peak is a. I believe you, but I'm also like, child, people need to really sit some shit out and make room for others, you know? Yeah, I, I do think that when when you define peak television by just what yes. gets awards, uh, the Academy and all these white people who vote for those shows fall into the same traps. They nominate the same things over and over again. You know, you see shows like Modern Family yes. constantly winning and it gets tired and people sort of lose trust in, in those institutions, which I think is what has happened. I mean, I don't even I can't. You know, this article tried to define peak TV by by like what had won a lot of Emmys and by pointing out that those things were fairly elitist. And I just, I can't remember the last time I cared about what TV show won an Emmy. The only reason you know? why we cared about it this year is because Zendaya and Regina uh, King won, you know, and Yaya. <laughs> That's the only reason why we care. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I love the Emmys. I mean, I was, I was. I was watching for a secession too. I wanted my secession boys to clean up. They didn't, uh, which is a conspiracy <laughs> I'll say for another podcast. But if you follow me on Twitter, you know what I think about Apple TV buying that award for Billy Crudup. Cause that's what happened. Child, who got Apple TV? Who's watching Apple TV? I really want to know. Exactly. I, when I finally got my Apple TV subscription set up, I was, first of all, it took me probably a week to even figure out how to use it. Uh, when I finally did, though, I mean, Ted Lasso, which I, Ted Lasso, I, I wrote about, I've talked about, it's one of the best shows I've ever seen. The only bad part about it is that it's on Apple TV. It's like, God, why are you making it so hard for people to watch it? If it was on NBC, it would be the year's biggest hit. But I think, I think we get too caught up in, in how sort of white people define peak TV. So by your description, I think a show that probably falls in that description, would you say is Lovecraft Country? Yes. Um, I mean, to me, peak TV also doesn't need to be perfect. It doesn't need to like, it doesn't need to be perfect because there's always room for improvement. 
um, with where, how are you going to change and improve and get better if you don't have the stakes? So Lovecraft Country is definitely peak TV, but I definitely feel like what everybody's feeling like, you know, towards the end of the season, it was just like, damn, can I just see this nigga tick die already? Like, what? The, I'm over this shit. Yeah, I mean, I I think peak TV can happen without stakes. Yes. Uh, I don't know. For me, watching Lovecraft Country, I never felt as though there were real stakes. Um, I, I, everything that happened, I felt we kind of w- knew was going to happen. It was it, the the finale to me was so disappointing, honestly. And I I loved the first three episodes of the show. Uh, And then in the middle, it just, it really kind of lost its way for me. The episodes felt so sort of isolated from an overall storyline. And then this last finale episode felt like they were rushing really fast to just kind of tie things together. You know, we had this like eight minute long exposition in the beginning that's just like, hey, here's some ancestor ghosts who can teach you this magic really quickly all of a sudden and it's like why didn't that come a few episodes earlier okay uh but i i you know i can't say that i i want the show to be canceled i want to see more of it and so in that way i will say yes peak tv um i definitely agree with you like i agree with so many people's criticisms of that show what's what are your thoughts on the finale what are my thoughts on finale i I'm easy to please when it comes to these TV shows. Like, I get why people didn't like it. I was breathtaking. I'm, I was taken away. What I will say is I definitely agree with you. Like, to me, the most interesting part of this show is the ancestral aspects. It's the, not necessarily the sci-fi aspects or the white magic aspects, but how Black people engage with this magic. And, you know, it's, this is a proof that you never know what the fuck is going to happen. So put everything in the show at the beginning because we might not get a season two for a while where they can tap into more of that ancestral magic. That's that's why my the third episode where, you know, the ancestors, the, you know, the ancestors who suffered under that doctor came together with Letty to banish that white man out that house. That was so powerful to me. And I still cry every time I see that scene. That is the most what I like the most about that show. They did Ruby so wrong. Yeah, the show, I think, it definitely knows how to emotionally manipulate an audience and to make you feel. They know how to manipulate an audience, and it really is all about... It's sad because it's really all about... So much of it was man- emotional manipulation. And I think that's where a lot of shit they got... That's where a lot of the criticisms went. Like, we have to talk about Yahima's character. Yeah. And, you know, trans yeah. people said it from jump, like, this was used for shock value, showing their body, exactly. you know, uh, with the breast and the um, the ambiguous genitalia uh, at the end of the episode. And, like, that, that character's entire, entire existence was five minutes of pain and torture. And when I watched it, I said, I understand the criticisms, but I fully expected Yahima to come back. Um, at least during the finale and help out. Yeah, but it's too. like, that character is just dead. I think, yeah, I think it would have been kind of cheap to have the character just appear for the finale just to help, uh, which is kind of how I felt about Gia. But yes. I, I, when they when they first killed the character, I didn't really think that that they were dead. I was like, oh, this must be a way for them to break the spell that doesn't allow her to talk. 
I was like, we think that he's like slitting her throat, but really he's like breaking the spell and he knows that. But then it was just like, oh no, he just has like a lot of internalized homophobia. So yeah, he, he had to kill her and it doesn't, the, they haven't really done enough of the homework to make that payoff in that moment. Yeah. It's like, she was entirely a plot device and that's, that's not fair. Uh, that's not fair to that character for Yahima them to just be entirely a plot device. It's just, I mean, most, I think of the women in the show are kind of just plot devices. Which sucks because they are, they are the best part of the show. Like going back to Ruby, going back to Ruby, fine ass, talented ass, beautiful ass, also Nigerian ass Ruby. Like to me, how they ended that character. Oh my, me and my roommate had to pause when they said she died. Honestly, like I had to really take some time because they used her so much. And we, why, also, why do we have to see her fucking this white man and this kissing this white girl all the time? Like, yes. I get the point of the story. That character was bad and wrong. I do wonder if she is dead because I, I think, like, in order for that white lady to turn into her, didn't she have to, like, put her in a coma and keep her body in the basement Yes, or something? that's when so we finally got started. Could, we could finally watch the episode because we were like, oh, she's not dead. She's comatose. Like, because I really was about to fucking cry. <laughs> I really was about to cry. Yeah, I, I don't know. And also because they had already kind of set up the reveal of how she does the body swapping, I was, mm-hmm. I, I, it wasn't even something that, that hit me because I was just like, she's so clearly not actually dead that, that it was just an attempt at pure emotional manipulation for me to be like, I care about this character. You're telling me she's dead, but we know that, that it's going to open with them doing this magic to probably save her next season. So, you know, I, I see what they're setting up, but I feel like a lot of the setup in this finale was done at the expense of black women. And that is what I didn't like about it. You also have D this little black girl who like, now is like a sociopathic murder with a robot arm. <laughs> no more black girl joy for her. Yes, I was like, damn, she had to kill her like that? She already had a monster with her. Why not be like, eat or something? Like, why? Like, dang, girl. Like, I don't even, I didn't even think they like, I didn't even think they knew each other like that. I didn't even think they were talking. I, I was like, she knows D. Like, uh, she was probably like, you killed my dad. Like, what is going on? But still, I, I definitely felt like I was very out of character for Dee's character. But it's, I don't know, I get it. But she was used as a plot device to just show how horrible this world treats beautiful and brilliant Black girls and they discard Black girls. But- yeah, it just seems like in a show where you already are, are you know, that's, that's sort of the entire essence of the show. That's the reality these characters live in, that they exist in. We see this in reality with Emmett Till. And so to kind of drive that point home in, in the one young female black character you have, it just was really disappointing. But at the same time, you know, I absolutely love the setup with her and her mother becoming this like fine, like, you know, racist, like racism fighting duo in history. I think that that's absolutely awesome. So again, I'm excited to see where the show goes, but ways they told this story in the first season really concern me. Uh, and I know that a lot of it, they are uh, tied to the source material of the book. Uh, so I think hopefully in season two, we see them branch out into some more original stories. Uh, and I think that 
going to be good. I definitely agree. But I'm also like, you already switched up the book so much. You might as well just keep doing it. Um, I definitely still want to shout out to Misha Green and all the people responsible for making the show, creating the show, the cast. They all did a fabulous ass job. But I'm going to quote Ben Staples on it. And his tweet, by the end, I was just like, I can't wait for this nigga Tick to die. I can't wait to watch him die. Yeah. It was really... One of the worst characters I've ever kind of seen on TV. And that is not because of my man, Jonathan. He did a wonderful job. That His performance is the only thing that carried a character that was so sort of thinly made. I mean, all we're sort of given to support about him is that he is a Black man who has PTSD and trauma. And so we should support him. Even though is just kind of horrible to every woman in his life doesn't seem to have like there's really no explanation for like why tick is driving all of this or what his ultimate sort of goal or purpose tick is so nasty and rude that's really the only way i can put it he is nasty and rude and i get it your daddy beat you and you know he was nasty and rude to you but just I just felt like all the angry outbursts. I was just like, why are you talking to people that way? Why are you letting them that way? Why are you getting like so violent around these women and stuff? And it's, it wasn't cute. And I really was just like, this nigga, he can go. <laughs> yeah. At least Montrose got something interesting through him. Like he, you know. Yeah. I, the Montrose stuff was some of the, I thought some of the kind of worse done stuff in the show. And it's it's sad because that is what they decided to spend so much time on in the show. Uh, you know, even when they're going back in time and they're dealing with the Tulsa riots, it's like, no, now is actually a good time for Montrose's long monologue on his internalized homophobia. D can wait. We, we got to focus on this. Uh, so it just, it got a bit heavy handed and it just felt like they were trying to cram this into the narrative for the sake of having a black gay story in the show mm. uh, rather than it, you know, it, it just far too often felt like an excuse when really, when you look at it, it's like Montrose was able to see his gay partner, like within the reality that he was living in. It's not like, like Tick didn't know he was gay, but nobody was beating him anymore. So yeah, this just beating himself up and they just kept making that point. We saw it like, yeah, we get it. He's drinking. Yeah, we get it. He's in a dark place. So I think, you know, when you have Michael K. Williams, I don't understand you want to use him. Yeah, I think that's what it is. And he he's so good in the role. Like it's not his again, his performance carries it. And I think his performance gives it so much weight that like the writers thought someone thought we should milk this for all we can. But it wasn't actually a story that that could support the the time it was given. I agree. I mean, I, I, I definitely agree. And I mean, I get, you know, going back to the Yahima issue, like he had a problem with Yahima because he's dating a non-binary person, you know, somebody who appears fluid as well. Um, but you're allowed, there's so much space allowed for his trauma. It begs you to question why that time wasn't spent for other people. I do like the solo episodes, like you were saying before, the storyline was kind of disjointed. I, I understand that's the choice that they made to focus on each character. I think it would have been better if they had 13 episodes to do it so they could have, you know, mm-hmm. instead of just two, instead of having two rushed episodes to get. To yeah, the I, don't know that, I don't know that the show needed more episodes as much as it just needed better editing. Uh, there was just so much time 
in, in the middle where I think they could have told these stories that they rushed at the end. It's like, come on, let's get our ancestor ghosts in there sooner. Let's like, we all know where this is going. Uh, but I felt like they really wanted to focus more on these moments of emotional manipulation where it's like, oh, but watch this white woman recreate the murder of Emmett Till. Like, why are we spending time on that instead of these other possibilities? You know, they wanted us to they, they wanted to show us these white people getting dragged and stuff. Which that's honestly, I will say that's my favorite part of the show, except in that one contest. I'm like, why am I using this? Why am I seeing this bitch do all that? I agree with you, but um, what I want to big speaking of Emmett Till, pick a bobo. That's the name of the, that was the name of that episode title, pick a bobo. That's offensive. Yeah, like. That's a here, yeah. Here's a challenge, TV. I say, Pod Squad, go find a white person and make them say the name of that episode. See if they say it. They shouldn't. Period. They shouldn't say it. They shouldn't have named that episode that. That was. See the. I don't know. That's where I'm like. There were mistakes that were made. Maybe it's not perfect, but it's a show people are talking about. It counts as peak TV, but. There are so many other shows in the TV landscape that this is another reason the article made me so mad. Uh, you mentioned it. I think we've we've all watched it. We've all talked about it so much. I may destroy you. Period. How can you say peak TV has already peaked when we have I may destroy you? Uh, what were your thoughts on the show? I was rewatching it recently for the podcast and um, it's perfect. It's perfect. And I think re- it's very necessary to rewatch it. Because the entire show, like, she, you see Bella questioning herself, but really she knows what happened deep down inside. Like, from the beginning, if you watch the episode, you can see the point where she gets, you know, drugged. You can see how it happens. You can see how that white man, David, drugged her. And you can see, she knew from the beginning when she went to the police, she knew what happened. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm really- they, they show you these flashbacks, but you're, you're never really sure. And even in the end, uh, you know, it's it's never really, really confirmed. It is still always to kind of the best of her memory. You know, they present these sort of alternate realities because the show, I think, wants to give you this this opportunity to say, it doesn't matter whether you know for sure or not. It doesn't matter if you can't remember. Uh, it's, it's really about this different sort of story, this different journey of healing uh, and how you, you learn to kind of find yourself. Uh, so... You know, at, at every turn, I love that that this that I may destroy you opens itself up, sort of like like this weird Rubik's cube to different uh, possibilities, and that that's amazing writing. That's peak TV. I really, really love I May Destroy, and I'm happy it has twelve episodes because I feel like we had this discussion a while back when it was on. But people think this show is about rape and a rape incident and healing and just healing from that. It's like, no, that's not. There's a reason why the show is 12 episodes. It explores so much. And I have never seen a show talk about everything it did in the way it did in the way, in the way that it did. And also keep it kind of light, you know, and keep it comedic and keep it authentic. Like, I feel like I know Terry. I feel like I know Arabella. I feel like I know Kwame. I know people like them. They're direct, direct reflections of people in my life. And they're also direct reflections of the behaviors I've engaged in. You know, Miss Mama in the first episode is brushing her teeth with a, with a wash rag. Like, what have we not been there when we've been so low on our self care that we are, we literally don't have an, uh, like a, uh, 
toothbrush in our bathroom. Staying up, doing drugs. That's how it goes. Mm -hmm. For real. Okay. And I will say this. This might be wrong. And this might not be the point of that show. But especially after watching the third episode, the Italy episode, it really made me realize how much I miss doing drugs. I miss going to the club and, you know, not overdoing it. I don't think I don't I don't know that they meant for that to be a point in the show because they didn't know we'd be in this worldwide lockdown when the show came out. But my God, yes, is that a point of the show? I miss that Italy episode. Oh, my God. I want to do coke in a bathroom so badly. (laughs) I watched that episode and I was like shaking. I was just like, oh, I miss it. I want to just be dancing like a stupid idiot on a dance floor somewhere. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The way she captured that in that episode just, and even because what's so cool about that episode and how the show twists so quickly is you're watching it in that part and you're so kind of hyped up like, oh my gosh, I wish I was in Italy getting hype with my girls. I miss the club. And then all of a sudden you slowly see it just turn into this like horror show where you're like, oh no, Terry's walking alone by herself. Oh no, Bella's alone in the club. Oh, and you just slowly start to kind of lose your senses along with them where you were feeling the same joy. And now you're just like, oh, I'm so, oh my goodness. Oh my God. When they're just following her, like the horror. Remember when the, the period he was, Biagio was like touching the period blood, the blood clot and stuff. That was, I have never seen that something that like that. That was a TV. moment. I have never seen something like that. On TV. No, that's not something. Yeah, never seen that on TV. Uh, not even, not even like Lena Dunham dared to show the the honesty and truth of the blood clot, the period blood clot. I, I still can't tell you how I feel about that moment. I appreciate it. I, uh, you know, something that sticks with you, him touching just... it. I, my face looks exactly like Bella's. What is this nigga doing? Yeah. He's playing with my blood clot. But that was also a point because, girl, her blood clots that big. When was the last time she changed her tampon? And you see her, like, I've never seen a show talk about, you know, periods so blatantly. I've never seen a show. I didn't think about it that way. I've never seen a show show a woman putting on a pad in the bathroom, like, with your girls. Like, that is realistic. But but we refrain from seeing it. It's not no fucking blue liquid. No, this is, like, actual fucking period blood blood clot. And I, that was the first thing I thought about. I'm like, that blood clot's so big. She hasn't changed her tampon since she went out to the club. You have to bring extra tampons. She's not taking care of herself at all. Probably. That's probably the that's probably the timeline. Well, she's on a lot of drugs, and I've definitely been there. But she's doing too many dr- drugs at the same time. <laughs> You're in the. I mean, yeah. Who hasn't been in the woods of rural Massachusetts doing DMT acid shrooms? and weed and then you only have one tampon and you know you go with the flow of the day um you know. relatable to me Rela- a relatable moment in in peak television for for miss ashley ray uh i think i think it's relatable to my friends but not me girl i like to stick to to weed and one other thing <laughs> very favorite. I think that is definitely I think uh, that I think that's a lesson I may destroy you wants to to walk wants you to walk away with. Uh you know, I don't want to get too much into I may destroy you cuz we are going to be talking with Lindsay Moore in a future episode. She is the costume designer of both I may destroy you and chewing gum. Yes. Uh, I interviewed her in this uh yeah, in the November issue of Cosmo. So we're we're the we're both going to be talking to her so 
we'll we'll be able to get into all of the the fine details of what is clearly a peak TV show. TV On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. TV I think in this sort of wave of, of black TV shows coming back uh, in the standard of black television, uh, you also, I think, have a conversation about Kenya Burris, right? Uh, are you, do you watch a lot of his shows? You said you, you don't really watch blackish. Did you watch uh, black AF? You know, yeah. I absolutely know that's not for me. And his shows are for a certain type of black people. I'm a queer black mm-hmm. woman. Um, really a part of the, I consider myself a part of like the underground in a lot of ways. And, you know, I really for like revolutionary thought. And I think, you know, Kenya Barris is on some mid shit. So I didn't watch Black AF. I know a lot of people enjoyed it, but I was like, this is for the, for, there's a reason why Lena Waithe and Anthony Anderson and niggas like that were on the show because it's for them type of slim and thick type niggas, whatever that movie was. The people who enjoyed that movie. <laughs> Queen and Slim. <laughs> it's like Queen it's like Queen and Slim audience. Yeah. That Queen and Slim audience. Which, you know, I, I agree with. Uh watching the the blackish election special, it was all about sort of the importance of voting and the history of voting rights for black people. And you know, you're watching it. And for me, I've been watching the show since it premiered, and it's like, I know all of this. Like, who is this for white people? Like, are you just making like what what you know, at times when I'm watching Blackish and Black AF, it's like, who's the audience here? Who are we talking to? Uh, And I think a lot of times it's it deals in black respectability politics. Yes. Um, You know, I as a black queer woman, like you said, it's really hard sometimes to watch it and identify with very traditional ideas of like what black womanhood are. Um. But, you know, I I got to give it its props. Like, I still watch it and I I get excited about it. Like, I don't know. Every time Kenny, Ver- like, I, I still, you know, I, I think we got to thank him for so many, for paving the way for so much Black TV that I'm always excited about his projects. Um, you know, he worked on Girlfriends. He's done, he's built this legacy, so. Well, I will, I definitely agree with that. Like, you know, Black is a good, it's, it's Black excellence, you know. There's no way you can you can disagree with that. It's a good show. Yeah. How do you feel about Tracy, right? Tracy Ellis Ross? 
I think um, with Tracy Ellis Ross, they should have went through with the divorce. And exactly. Tracy Ellis Ross should be leading that show. Because from <laughs> Jump, Dre is not somebody you root for. He's very annoying as a character. And it, I mean, a lot of these shows are reflections, I feel like, of Kenya, you know? So to me, it's just like... Yeah, yeah. He's also awesome. very based on on him as this like annoying kind of problematic father figure, which I think he does very well. Uh, I I did want them to get the divorce. I was really looking forward to even if it was just like one season of Bo being fully like divorced and single. Uh, gosh, if they just had her get a divorce and they spun her off into her own show and it was just the girlfriends like reunion, that I would love that. <laughs> Yes. They, you know what? Take that idea, Hollywood. You can have it. It's yours. Yeah, because I'm just like, you know, you said uh, uh, Dre is great at playing problematic. Anthony Anderson is great at pop- playing problematic. He is great at being problematic in real life. So, you know, how much acting is that? True. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, but even in uh, Black AF, uh, where Kenya plays like a, a different kind of version of himself. Uh, I think you see that sort of the inspiration also behind the Dre character. Um, But hey, it it paved the way for a lot of great Black TV. I think hopefully we see Black television becoming a little less respectable. I want to see, you know, when are we going to get a Black sitcom with like two gay moms? Let's do that. Not by Lena Waithe. Not by Lena Waithe. Let's get somebody else involved. Let's get someone else in there from the jump. Uh, There's plenty of other Black female gay writers in hollywood uh but i i think i think black people making tv are are definitely proving that that peak tv has not already peaked uh petty thank you so much for talking to me about some of my favorite shows uh what do you want to plug today what are you working on what do you want to let the people know about yeah so um you can find me on the instagrams at petty mogul you can find me on twitter i'm mostly on twitter these days but i'm trying to get back to instagram yeah support my girl support my girl that's what it is uh thanks so much uh we're gonna wrap the show up and what we're gonna do here at the end of every episode is i'm gonna give you guys some homework yeah i'm gonna give you because look this is this is tv i say club right we're we're tv club we're not film club okay you want to go watch a movie once a week whatever this is tv club you gotta watch tv every week you gotta watch tv every day you gotta you gotta watch tv to talk TV, I say. So I'm going to tell you what to watch so you can be prepared for some upcoming episodes. Like I said, Seduced on Stars. It is coming out every Sunday. Keep watching it. Keep watching it. Episode one is out. Episode two comes out the Sunday after you're listening to this. Uh, make sure you're keeping up with that. Uh, some exciting, exciting stuff coming up. I can't, I'm not going to say what, but I'm just going to say you're going to want to watch all of Seduced because we got some people coming on the podcast. Uh, Keep watching 90 Day Fiance the other way, which I write about on Vulture every week. You probably know. Uh, We're going to have some fun people coming on to talk about 90 Day Fiance and all of its glory. One of my favorites. So you're going to want to be caught up on that. And also, I May Destroy You. Like I said, we're going to be talking to Lindsay Moore. So to be ready for those, those costume secrets, make sure that you take some time to sit down, especially with the finale. Uh, and finally, this one, just some fun watching. If you're you're looking for some old things to watch, why don't you sit down with some episodes of Party Down for me? That's a that's a stars classic, Party Down. One of my favorite 
favorite comedies. Uh, we're going to have one of my favorite people in the world from Party Down. Uh, also check out 13 Reasons Why. I feel like that. You guys know I'm friends with Stephen Weber. He's my good buddy. He's coming on the podcast. Of course he is. Stephen Weber, watch his episode of Party Down so you can be ready. Uh, and 13 Reasons Why. We're going to talk about that crazy Netflix show, Wings, uh, working with Fran Drescher. So excited. So get that homework done for the podcast. Gosh. Can I recommend I wa- something? Yeah, hell yeah. Put some, give them, give them some homework, Patty. Tell them. I'm going to recommend y'all have to watch Ambitions. It's on O Network. You can have, find it on Hulu and Stars. Ambitions. It's one season. It's been canceled, but I'm going to start the movement to bring that show back. It's so fucking good. And if anything could be filmed during quarantine, it will be that. It's just a good ass um, drama with some good ass black stars. And it's just the acting is on point. Robin Givens is so excellent on that show. Love it's her. so excellent on that show. And the it's just some fierce Dynasty X X actions and antics. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Actually, Hulu just recommended that show to me. Uh, another one I'm going to just throw in randomly because it just came out. Uh, season two of Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. I'm a big fan of Unsolved Mysteries because I like being frustrated. So if you also like that and you like watching stories of obvious racism that they just call mysteries, uh, I would say check out season two of Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. Uh, That is your homework. I want to say thank you so much. I want to say thank you to my guest, Petty Mogul, for joining us. I want to say thank you for listening. But I also want to ask you to support us. Support us here at TV I Say Pod. Uh, We are a small crew. It is me and Petty here. Uh, So please go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash TV I Say Pod, and join us. We have three different tiers, starting at $5, going up to $15. They all have different fun things you get. You can watch TV shows with me, get some special reviews and recaps on things that I have not covered for all the different sites I write for. You can even tell me what shows you want me to cover. So go to our Patreon and support us. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TV I Say Pod. Check out our website, uh, theastroray.com slash TV I Say Pod. Support us. Support the girls. This is this is a black girl team, as as I like to say, and that's what I, I really wanted to put together. So please folk just so please support us. Uh, I want to thank my lovely producer and my guest for today, Petty. I want to thank Rafia, who made our wonderful TV I Say theme song. And I want to thank Chastity Hyman, who made the lovely artwork that you are seeing. This is TV I Say Pod, and we are so excited to watch TV with you. We'll be back next week with another episode. Another episode, another episode of TV I Say Pod.